This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Numerous indicators of a, a connection crisis in the West have emerged in the past five decades, including the rise of divorce and the decline of emotional well-being and the decrease in social connection. These are the words of Dr. Todd Hall, a professor of psychology at Biola University and author of the book, The Connected Life. Dr. Hall continues, quote, As image bearers, we are born to connect. Relationships are where we find the meaning that defines our lives. It is deep, intimate, loving connections bearing the mark of our triune God that transform and rewire our souls, end quote. Let me repeat that last sentence again. It is deep, intimate, loving connections bearing the mark of our triune God that transform and rewire our souls. When we look at rediscovering the lost art of friendship, we come to our need to strengthen our friendships. The, gr- the, the growing of deep roots to the point where we can truly say we have deep, intimate, loving relationships. These are the friendships that can withstand disagreements, misunderstandings, confusion, and other trials that we go through in relationships. My guest today is the author himself, Dr. Todd Hall, and we are going to discuss why openness and vulnerability are so important in growing strong, healthy friendships. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship, a Saddleback Church podcast. Now, my conversation with Dr. Todd Hall. Dr. Todd Hall, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome, Jason. It's great to be here. So today, uh, we're talking about strengthen this this part of rediscovering the lost art of friendship and the importance of what it means to take the time to n- not just invest in relationships like we talked about a couple weeks ago, but to strengthen those relationships, to take them deeper than maybe we had considered before. So uh, I wanted to start by asking you, how would you define vulnerability in the context of friendships? Yeah, it's a great question. And as we were just talking before, Jason, this is such a great topic. It's so needed in our society and in the church, right? We should be really um, modeling true, healthy vulnerability, right, within the church. So, really appreciate you guys focusing on this topic. I, I guess, a, you know, a short sort of definition if, of vulnerability would be just sharing your true feelings needs and weaknesses and emotional pain with others, right? So, in a sense, kind of your, just, you know, your true self, your authentic self, if you will, sharing that with others really is what promotes vulnerability. And yeah, this whole idea of strengthening the relationship of friendship, right? A friendship really is a mutual kind of relationship, right? There's lots of different kinds of relationships where we have different roles in our lives. And a friendship is, it's a really crucial one for the church and for our growth because there's this mutuality, right? This sense of give and take, you know, in a friendship, there's a, there's a peer quality. Other relationships like attachment we've talked about before, right, are 
um, very important. Um, and there can be a component of that in friendship, but friendship is really where this, there's this mutuality and, and mutual support on both sides. Right. And so in order to have that, you really have to have vulnerability. And, you know, another way to say that is to, to, to be, have a mutual relationship. Um, I have, for example, for us to have a mutual relationship, Jason, I have to share things that are important to me and meaningful to me. Uh, and then you have to receive those, right? And that's what creates the vulnerability, right? But if I don't share things that are important and meaningful, then it's it's really pretty superficial, right? And and so that's oftentimes in, um, you know, just relationships with acquaintances, things like that. Or um, if the trust isn't there, right? If I don't trust a person, I might not share some of those more um, things that are more important to me and more vulnerable. Yeah. So it sounds like really what you're talking about is starting to peel back those layers of the onion or as Donkey from Shrek would say, right? It's a parfait. You got all these layers. Right. <laughs> and so it's really, it's, it's, it's that encouragement. It's that saying that you need to be able to expose those, those layers underneath. And with that comes risk. So, so it seems like right. we have a hard time sometimes to be able to share our wants and needs, or even our fears, our, our harder emotions, like you were talking about. Why do we have a harder time sharing things? Everybody has wants, everybody has needs, everybody has fears, and yet right. sometimes it feels like like we are afraid to share those with somebody. Uh, why is that? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question, Jason, because, yeah, we all have needs, as you just said, and and weaknesses and painful emotions and things like that. And I think, you know, m- most people probably have some sense that being vulnerable is is a good thing, right? In the right context. Um, and it's required to some extent for healthy relationships. The reason why it's so difficult, at least a big part of it, is that something you just mentioned is when you're vulnerable, it by definition puts you at risk, right? Because you're you're putting yourself out, your true self out there. And when you put out there your genuine feelings and needs and emotional pain and things like that, if somebody's not responsive to that, that's going to hurt, right? That creates emotional pain and it hurts more than if you don't reveal those things, right? If you just keep them to yourself and stay guarded, you don't experience as much pain. So it's, it's kind of the, you know, it's the classic paradox of relationships. You have to take that risk and be vulnerable in order to get the benefit on the other side, which is intimacy, right? Intimacy requires a certain level of risk. And we see, you know, there's lots of stories and movies and you know that sort of depict this right the person who's just really guarded and doesn't open up and they don't they don't experience the intimacy and closeness with people and so they have to break through those barriers uh to to be vulnerable in order to create a genuine relationship so so i think bottom line is it's it's painful when people are are not responsive or supportive when we're vulnerable and so we naturally kind of want to protect ourselves uh, can you talk a little bit about how somebody's attachment is specifically talking about their family of origin probably plays a role into somebody's openness or willingness to be vulnerable in the present? Right, definitely, definitely. So there's we've talked about this on I think a prior podcast, but just yeah. a quick, you know, sort of nutshell. There's the kind of healthy attachment is called secure attachment where there's vulnerability and intimacy and ability to regulate one's emotions, that kind of thing. And of course, all of these exist on a range or a continuum. And then there's 
two basic kinds of insecure or unhealthy or less healthy attachment, avoidant and anxious. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of opposites in a way. And so they do shape what vulnerability looks like. And so for people with avoidant attachment tendencies, I often like to say tendencies because again, it's on a continuum. They learn to deal with emotional pain in their life, particularly early on with attachment figures, you know, parental figures and caregivers. They learn to deal with that pain and then stress in general by withdrawing and becoming self-sufficient, right? So they learn that the best way of any chance of some kind of connection or pseudo connection, I like to call it, with the important people in my life is if I just become self-sufficient and I don't, you know, quote, burden others with my needs, then maybe they'll be okay and I can have some sort of connection. And so they become very self-sufficient and, you know, withdraw. And so that leads them to not, it's very difficult for them to be vulnerable at all. They tend to be very emotionally guarded. So that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end, we have people with anxious attachment tendencies. And so they learn to cope with stress and difficulties. And by the way, they had you know, generally different kinds of experiences they're coping with that were painful, but people with anxious attachment tendencies, they often subconsciously fear abandonment. And so, and they have difficulty managing their emotions. And so they naturally become anxious and then need others to help them manage their emotions. So what that looks like and translates into is being vulnerable in a sense with others, but sometimes it's too much too soon, or it's dysregulated vulnerability or uncontained would be another way to say it. Um, You know, so this is the person who goes into a church group and they're just meeting people and they unload, you know, like their whole story with a lot of pain and trauma, you know, in the first meeting. And, you know, it's, again, it's understandable why they do that. There's, that's how they coped early on and it sort of worked in a way, but then later on it can be counterproductive in uh, relationships. So there is some kind of, vulnerability there but it's just a little too you know dysregulated putting putting too many demands on other people yeah and so they just you know they need help we all need help in different ways yeah and it's just it's important to recognize and accept the role that our history our our family of origin has played in where we are now right oftentimes right i think i think people can find themselves starting to question like why am i like this like what is going on how come i how come I handle this situation like this? Or why does it feel like I don't have any deep friends? And then, but if you stop to think about your past and you, and maybe you even find somebody to talk with about this, you can, I, I think what happens often, I shouldn't say all the time, because as you said, there's, <laughs> it, it's, uh, what happens often you know. is we start to recognize and realize these things that were have impacted us growing up, and then you say, "Oh, I can see why I'm like that. I, I I handled this this way because of how things had happened in my past." So that's kind of the importance of what we're talking about: is of being aware of your family of origin, of being aware of your upbringing, and how it can influence your ability um, to strengthen your friendships right now. Right? Exactly. <clears throat> right. That's so well put, Jason. I think the the big point there is that it it can help create compassion for yourself to understand yeah. mm-hmm. where this comes from and to understand that there's, you know, there's always, so one of the things I like to say to people I'm working with and when I'm doing training is there's always a good emotional reason for the way we relate and cope with stress, right? It worked in a certain way in the past and became ingrained. And so it may be counterproductive, but there's reasons why it exists. And so to understand that, as you just said, 
can create some space and compassion for yourself to then sort of loosen the grip on that way of coping and 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 try some new ways of relating and then develop some new patterns. Yeah, I I love that phrase, a compassion for yourself or grace for yourself. I I, I, I that's such an important idea. I wanted to go mm-hmm. back to something you said just a few minutes ago because you were talking about how strengthening a relationship, being open and vulnerable, is not just you being open and vulnerable with somebody else. It's also receiving somebody else's openness and vulnerability. So can you talk a little bit about that part of being mm-hmm. in, in, in the relationship, not the sharing part, but the receiving part? What's so, impo- what's Im- so important and key for people to remember on the receiving end? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's important for this mutuality to develop, right? So if I if I share something that's important and meaningful to me and you don't receive it, or at least I don't feel like you receive it very well, and there's going to be some of my filters involved in that. Yeah. Um, but if if I feel like you don't receive it, um, that's going to lower the trust, right? And it's going to be difficult to have that that mutuality. So yeah, it's got to be received on the other end. So when when somebody is being vulnerable and sharing emotional pain needs things like that it's really important to be to op- open and and listen attentively and be emotionally present and not distracted and things like that so that they feel and have the experience that you're there and that you are receiving you know their vulnerability and so then that creates the you know again this this mutuality and interestingly you know in a sense it does make you vulnerable to to receive especially if it's you know receiving something positive from somebody but even just if somebody's sharing something you know deeply meaningful to them it you know it taps into your own deeper emotions to be able to receive that and so that sometimes can be difficult for people who just are not used to going there to those kinds of emotions so in the same way of needing to offer grace to yourself in the sharing of emotions you also have to work on offering grace to yourself on the receiving if that's not something that you've been used to. And it's and a big part of this is communication. That seems to be like the like the most important part of this <laughs> is communication. Is right. being able to communicate and say, I'm not I'm not used to this. I want to be here for you. And I want to be the person that you are looking for in this. Um it, it, it just might like I'm having. I just might need a little grace in this because I'm not used to having people share things with me, or I'm not used to sharing with others. So having that communication lines open is. It seems like such a vital part in this in in, in this practice that we're talking about. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely, yeah, and that that goes back to just self awareness and compassion for yourself, and and just the importance of of you know being intentional about your own growth process. Yeah. So that you're working on, you know, a lot of things we're talking about, Jason, are automatic kinds of responses, right? Mm-hmm. They're dictated by the subconscious mind or what I call the implicit self, right? It's just on autopilot. Um, and so we have to use our conscious mind and intentionality to engage in practices and new relational experiences so that we can have new experiences and and start to shift, you know, the way we feel deeply and the way we respond automatically. But we can't just do that by snapping our fingers or using willpower by itself. <laughs> that's right. And that's exactly where I want to go. Because in this series on rediscovering the last road of friendship, we're really looking at what the Bible says about friendship and about relationships, about how we were made to be in relationship. 
and connection with others. I read this quote from your book, The Connected Life, at the beginning, and I I wanted to read it again here, where it says, relationships are where we find the meaning that defines our lives. It is deep, intimate, loving connections bearing the mark of our triune God that transform and rewire our souls. So, what does the Bible say about being open and vulnerable, strengthening relationships with others? Right. Yeah, it has a lot to say, Jason. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that when you have this in mind and you really sort of have this, you know, sort of filter as you're looking through scripture, you see, see you, you really start to see it more. Um, it is, it's all throughout scripture and the New Testament. And, um, you know, I think in general, I would say, Scripture encourages us to confess sins to to each other, right? To bear each other's burdens, weep with those who weep, right? Speak the truth in love. I mean, there's, you know, a number of different aspects that tie into this, but those are just some kind of general examples. You know, one is that Jesus exemplified vulnerability in his relationships. We can clearly see that, right? When he was distressed and troubled before his crucifixion, he confided in his disciples, right? He didn't just withdraw, Um and, you know, Matthew says, my soul is very sorrowful, even even to the point of death, right? And he shared his, you know, the whole passage about Lazarus, right? And Jesus wept, he grieved, he he showed his, his uh, emotional pain and grief over uh, Lazarus and shared that. Um, so, we see a number of examples of that. At the Last Supper, right, Jesus was transparent with his disciples about betrayal and death that was coming, right, and showed his emotional vulnerability. He was not a, a robot, right? I mean, some people might think, you know, uh, that because he, you know, in his Godhead as one of the three members of the Trinity, that he, you know, knows everything, is omniscient, and, and these kinds of things. But he also was fully human, right? And in that, in his humanity, he was vulnerable, mm. and he had emotions, and he showed them, and he expressed them. He did it in a perfectly healthy way, though. And yeah. So, that's a model for us how to do that. So, um, so that's, you know, just when we look at the example of Jesus and throughout, you know, the New Testament and Paul's teaching in particular and other places, we see a number of examples of, you know, as I mentioned, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you might be healed in James chapter 5, Galatians, Paul says, you know, share each other's burdens in this way, obey the law of Christ. And that goes back to what we were just talking about, if you're, you know, the mutuality, sharing each other's burdens, right? So, you've got to reveal things that are a burden that are things that are important to you and a burden, you've got to reveal those to others in your relationship, your network of relationships. Um, and then others are going to share those and you, you need to be there to receive those, right? As we were just talking about. So, um, you know, in Romans 12, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. That's New Living Translation. I love yeah. that that translation of be happy, right? <laughs> Share, sharing with others in, in their emotions and being with them in that is a vulnerable thing. And so, we're instructed to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's a number of, um, you know, I think all throughout Scripture, we see this idea of just, again, bearing each other's burdens, speaking the truth in love, and that's vulnerable, right? So, if you have a friend and you see something that, you know, you feel like is is um, not healthy and you take the step to share that with them, even that is a vulnerable thing. Oh, yeah. To do right because you're you're putting the relationship at risk in some way. What if they don't receive this the way I intended or whatever? So, um, so that's also requires vulnerability. But yeah, in general, there's just 
a picture of mutual support um, within the church that is painted in the New Testament that we are supposed to be providing for each other so that we grow. So, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, Paul says, you know, instead we will speak the truth in love. So, I just mentioned that idea, right? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Again, great translation, New Living. Um, but you see this picture, right, of just mutuality, everybody doing their own, doing their part, and that requires vulnerability of everybody at different times. Mm. I, I think it's struck me right now, maybe more so than any time in the past when I think when I've thought about it, the amount of these um, these one another's in the Bible, these calls to live life with other people, you know, um, as you said, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, serve mm-hmm. one another, care for one another, right? carry one another's burdens. All Most of these, if not all, I, I'd have to go through the long list, but so many of them, I'll say, are emotionally based, that there is right. so much emotion that is tied into it. And I think we often get get focused on the actions, on the doings of these things. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like to do this thing? But what's underneath is that there is an emotional core that is going on underneath that is tying you together with that person, right? When you're called to weep with those who weep, it's not just the act of crying together with the other person, but it's feeling with the other person. It's showing that it's having that empathy with the other person. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true on the other end with rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not just focusing on the hard feelings, but it's also being allowing yourself to be genuinely enthralled and happy and overjoyed with somebody who just had something amazing happen or, right. or seen a, a blessing or, or in their life. Right, even even that call to mm-hmm. carry one another's burdens—that's that's that's trying to meet a need that the other person has that has this whole emotional baggage with it underneath it. Even the idea of serving one another is trying to meet a need, and there's some emotional right. connection in there. And so I think it. I think how you brought that up is so important. That yes, it's all over Scripture. All, our call to do things with and for other people, but there's that vulnerability, that openness that is underlying it, that when you bring that into the action can just help those roots that we've been talking about in this idea of strengthening to just grow so much deeper and the deepest roots or the best roots intertwine with others, right? In our episode on Invest, uh, we talked about the sequoia trees and how they have these deep roots yeah. that spread out wide and connect with other sequoia trees. And this is that idea. Anytime that you are living out these one another's and genuinely engaging emotionally with other people, you're interlocking your roots with them and just forging these deeper, stronger bonds. Exactly. <clears throat> so well put. Yeah. The, the emotional core and the emotional connection that comes from sharing each other's burdens and weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice all of those things yeah that 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 is, those are the roots as you put it yeah that's the that's the core of the emotional bond and a lot of that involves vulnerability mm. so how have you seen 
relationships strengthen or uh, or on the other side, how have you seen them wither based mm-hmm. on the level of openness and vulnerability that you have seen lived out in relationships? You've counseled many people. I'm not asking for specifics, but I'm just saying in general, right. how have you seen this truth live out in in reality? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think we can go back to attachment here and these different types of attachment we talked about that, and, you know, and of course it looks different for every person, every person's unique, but as we've talked about, there's these two general insecure or unhealthy kinds of attachment, avoidant and anxious. And so, you know, I've seen that, that those patterns play out over and over with clients and people I've worked with um, to, to where somebody who has avoidant attachment tendencies, for example, when they experience particularly relational conflict or needs, emotional needs come up or something like that, their first instinct is to withdraw and become self-sufficient. And so that does tend to weaken their relationships. And it's, you know, it's a neg, it's a self-reinforcing, self-defeating cycle. That's part of the, the difficulty of it is just, it, it keeps that cycle going to where they withdraw and then people aren't aware of their needs. They continue to be self-sufficient they don't get those needs met because because they're withdrawing that kind of thing. So I've seen that play out, you know, many times in with uh, therapy clients and other people as well. And then on the other spe- side of the spectrum, as I mentioned, anxious attachment, um, there's also a pattern. It just looks different. That oftentimes, again, it's it's pursuing others because of this fear of abandonment and difficulty managing their emotions. And so sometimes they do that in a way with, like I said, uncontained or dysregulated emotion that causes other people to then withdraw and back up. And that reinforces that sense of abandonment. And then it just, again, keeps the cycle going. So it's difficult for them to find a way to be vulnerable in a more regulated, contained way to create that bond, you know, and that that relational connection. So, the, yeah, those are two very general patterns you know, that I think you see um, that weaken relationships. Um, and then, you know, when there's, so in the, be in the, the middle ground where relationships are strengthened, when people are able to take steps. And I always encourage people that, you know, even when there's, we all have insecure attachment tendencies when we're stressed. That's yeah. one of the things I emphasize. So to think about when you get stressed out, especially in relational conflict, but any kind of stress, we tend to default toward one direction or the other in terms of these insecure attachment directions, right? Towards avoidance or towards anxiety. And so it's helpful to be aware of that. You know, what, how are you, how do you tend to, to kind of respond? And so as you can just take small steps toward security and building that emotional bond, and that might look different for these two um, types, but it's going to involve vulnerability definitely of um, sharing the, you know, like we talked about earlier, core emotions, your true self, your your needs, things that are important and meaningful to you, and, and emotional pain, um, you know, and that might just be a little bit at a time, might be reaching out a little bit for those who tend to withdraw. For the other folks, it might be, okay, I need to, you know, kind of try to manage this a little bit more myself while still reaching out and maybe sharing why that, you know, how that's difficult, why that's difficult, um, maybe getting some other people who can help in a helping role mm-hmm. to contain that. So that they can then have a little more space in their friendships, you know, that kind of thing. So there's small steps that but people can take, but I think vulnerability is key toward growing toward secure attachment and healthy relationships. I think if you have a history thing that you know or have realized is causing 
issues right now with your ability to form new attachments easier. It's so, and if and if you're not comfortable with sharing it, or if you find yourself being an oversharer, like we talked about, and you're, you know, um, maybe nervous that you're going to drive another person away by oversharing mm-hmm. too quickly, I think there's a helpful phrase of saying like, "I would really love the opportunity to to tell you about this sometime, but for right now, I just need you to know that you know this is is hard for me." But I want this to work. I want to. I want. I, I, I want to get to know you better, and I want you to get to know me better. And I, I, I would love the opportunity to share this part with you at a later time, or something like that. It's. Yeah. It acknowledges that something is there, and it in and, and it builds that that trust to be able to say, it's like, I, I, I get it. I would love to hear that. You know, to to have the give the other person the opportunity to say, and I would love to hear that another time or receive that. Right. Right, right. That's a great point, Jason. Yes, definitely. And it just reminds me too, the importance of, you know, as I mentioned, being intentional in our own growth process, and also the idea that we all need mentors and guides mm. in our life who can focus on these things with us, right? Yeah. You know, and, and help us, you know, sometimes that's a therapist, sometimes that might be a coach or a spiritual mentor. I think mm. there's a range of, you know, kinds of roles that can help with that. But we all need people like that in our lives at different times. And I think, in different ways throughout our lives <clears throat> so that when we are running into those difficulties, you know, we've got this person or maybe it's a few people or maybe it's a small group that we can go to and process a little more to, again, cre- create that space, be able to be vulnerable and be able to, you know, receive help and empathy and, you know, all those kinds of things so that we can then respond, you know, like the way how you just described, yeah. you know, in a little more, little more contained <laughs> vulnerability yeah. Um, and make a statement like that, which is great. So this podcast series is focused on friendship with people, but I would be remiss if we did not talk about how openness and vulnerability also uh, impact our relationship with God. So can you share a little bit about how this, everything we've talked about, these same principles work in our relationship with God? Yes, definitely. That's that's a big part of what I talk about in the Connected Life book. Yeah. Um, is that all of all of you know our attachment tendencies play out in our relationship with God. So people who have kind of avoidant tendencies, again, when they're stressed, they they kind of move toward that avoidant direction. Are most likely going to move that way in their relationship with God and have that kind of experience of God feeling a little more distant, and they tend to be self sufficient as opposed to it's harder for them to rely on God. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, they have to work toward reaching out to God, being vulnerable in prayer, for example, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And then there's, you know, people on the other end of the spectrum where that anxiety is going to play out with God. There's a fear of abandonment. There's a, It just doesn't feel secure relationship with God that oftentimes translates into the spiritual community at their church. And so, they need to work on um, developing that security with God. And so part of that's bringing these feelings to God, being open about them, which then creates some of that space, understanding where they come from, like we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, can help. And direct, you know, directly engaging with God around that to um, create some new new experiences with God and you know, as well as with other people. So it goes both directions. Other people who help us transform our attachment towards security, that then gradually translates into our relationship with God. And then vice versa, when we have new experiences with God that helps helps to transform us as well and helps in our human relationships. Yeah. So as we 
wrap up our time together talking about this element of strengthening friendships. What are some things that people can do to create safe environments for vulnerability to thrive in friendships? Yeah, it's a great, great question, Jason. I think, you know, there's a number of things. In general, I would say just, you know, when somebody's opening up and sharing something vulnerable, it's to just be open and show care without judgment. So that's a big part of it. Um, Part of it is making time for quality connections. You know, if people, depending on the relationship, of course, but if people feel like there's never enough time to really go a little bit deeper, that makes it hard to be vulnerable, right? Um, And when you're with someone and they might be sharing, you know, it's ask thoughtful questions that draw them out. Be fully present emotionally and not distracted. That's a huge, you know, issue in our society, obviously, with, with our phones and just you know, all of that. So, um, so it's really important to listen deeply and listen to understand and feel with the person, not just to respond with your agenda. So a lot of people, you know, myself included, that's, that's a temptation and and sometimes a bad habit where we're just listening, you know, with our own agenda in the background, just figuring out when, when can I jump in and kind of say my thing, um, as opposed to, listening to really understand, you know, what is Jason feeling right now? What is he, what's, what is he really saying? Yeah. And to be responsive to that, not just to my agenda. So that, you know, that's really important for creating the safety that promotes vulnerability because there has to be a sense of safety and security for people to be vulnerable. And then also confidentiality is important. You know, if people, somebody's sharing something that's confidential, you've got to, you've got to really guard that very carefully um, that's important to build trust, following through on commitments. So, you know, in a general sense, it's being an integrous person, right? Yeah. Um, being a Christ-like integrous person. But I think the more specific things would be, again, just being fully present and listening well and deeply to someone and and creating the time and space that makes them feel safe to be vulnerable with you and paying attention to, to how they experience you too, because that is going to be different, you know, for different people and it's their experience and perception of you at one level that really matters the most. So if somebody doesn't feel safe with me for some reason, even if I think I did everything I should have, right, to feel safe, well, okay, there may be some issues there on their end, but I still need to care about their perception and try to understand it and try to be responsive to it. Yeah. There's this kid's book I think it's called The Bunny Listened. I could be wrong about the title. It's something like that. Anyway, it's about this kid who builds this block tower. And then, and he's so proud of his block tower. And then some birds come and they knock down the block tower. And the kid is, he, he just goes into quiet. He just goes quiet and he just kind of curls up in a ball. And then one by one, these different animals come and they try to help him in different ways, right? There's one who says, like, like I just want to lash out. Like, it's okay to lash out. Or, or there's one who says, it's okay to get angry. Or, 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 mm. or maybe you should go and just build it better. Or you should go and knock somebody else's down. These animals come in, and the boy's just not listening. He doesn't want to do any of these things. And the animals just walk away, walk away, walk away. And then there's a, a bunny who comes and just sits with the boy and just sits with him and is just kind of there with him, sidles up to him to give him some warmth. 
And then the boy just starts to talk, to cry, to and just everything that the other animals were trying to get him to do, this boy starts to talk about and, and, and go through these feelings with this bunny. And this bunny's just emoting with him, just reacting with him, having empathy with him. And then it ends with the boy saying, you know what? I have a great idea now to build it better. And the bunny was just kind of there with him the whole time. And so as, as you were talking about these different ways that we can create these safe environments, it just made me think of this bunny you know, it's like the first half of Job, right? His friends come and they're just with Job. Right. Just, just don't don't be like Job's friends the rest of the book. But the first half right. is, <laughs> or or you can think be like the bunny, <laughs> who is who just is is there is is not judging is just understanding that this person, this boy in this case, has all of these emotions, is being open and vulnerable, and the bunny's mm-hmm. just saying, yeah, I get it, yeah, I I understand, I get it, I get it. And then is mm-hmm. able to just like show, in this case, friendship that way. And I'm sure the right. boy and the bunny have a deeper bond now because of that experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great story, Jason. Yeah, it just shows the importance of of just being with people and, and listening deeply goes such a long way um, to create that sense of safety and security and, and to allow people to be vulnerable and um yeah to then sometimes just to get to a different place emotionally and sometimes it's find their own solutions as you kind of indicated there with that story so that's yeah yeah, it's so important well i think it's easy to see a part of rediscovering the lost art of friendship a big part of that is the lost art of listening and truly just listening and 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 care and showing care for what the other person is caring about. You may not feel the same thing or be going through the same thing or even agree or <laughs> with what the other person's at, but they're but you're allowing them the space to feel that the the way that they're feeling and you're showing them mm-hmm. that you care enough to who they are as an image bearer of God to listen to mm-hmm. what it, to, to, uh, to what is going on in them and that can only help you have deeper conversations about it later, even if. You're in a place of disagreement. You can still be a listener, someone who who cares about where the other person is at and how they're thinking, what they're thinking about, and and feeling. And then you—that's that's how deep relationships grow. If you don't listen, if you if as you said, if you go in with your own agenda, like oh, I don't care, I I don't agree at all with this person, so I'm just not going to give them the space to talk about you know this, whatever. Then then your friendship can only go so far. Those roots can't enmesh if you're intentionally keeping them separate in this case. Now, there are some cases that we'll talk about next week when we talk about discern with our friend Megan um, that it's important to keep space, but that's for next week's conversation. Right now we're talking about how to how to get those roots entangled with each other. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> yeah, so important to to listen, right, and just to kind of just be there <clears throat> with each other. And, and yeah, sometimes, like you said, that gets prevented by, you know, it might be, conflict and so we're not able to sort of see a different perspective that that person has and so we're just waiting to like jump in with our perspective or it might be our you know just our own internal you know pain or conflict that is uh that we're having difficulty managing and so you know we're just trying to uh jump in there or or we're overwhelmed maybe by this person and so we're just trying to shut down or whatever it is there's yeah so so there is and that's part of the importance again of being in our own growth process because to be there for someone you know in different ways with different people we do have to sort of manage our own yeah emotions and stuff if you will um and you know reconcile our own pain and our own story if you will 
in order to be present for another person's story. Yeah, so true. Well, Todd, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, for people who are listening, you can find the link to Todd's book, The Connected Life, which we talked a lot about, or talked at least a lot about the ideas of, even without naming them specifically, um, in this conversation. So, Todd, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be with you. Really enjoyed it. I want to turn back to Todd's book, The Connected Life. He says, love takes on many forms, but has two basic components, desiring and pursuing the good of the other and a connection with the other. As we reflect God's love to others, we strive to discern the unique and specific response that will promote the well-being of others. We also strive to work through our own emotional insecurities and barriers so we can provide the response needed at a given time, end quote. This is the heart of strengthening friends. One of the lost arts worth rediscovering that we've been talking about in this series. A connecting in a mutual way, syncing up your roots with other people so that you both are stronger because of your ability to deeply connect through openness and vulnerability. I want to thank my guest today, Dr. Todd Hall. Next week, we're going to finish our look at rediscovering the lost art of friendship by talking about the importance of discernment in friendships. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this has been Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship, a Saddleback Church podcast.